Welcome to The Great Book, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solichek, and today our higher education reporter Claire McNeil joins me for a conversation on a couple of issues that she's looking at, and she's in Tallahassee today, and so we're calling her there. Okay, Claire, well, I am so glad that you're finally here with us on the podcast, and, and I understand you're in Tallahassee. What are you doing over there? Well, I'm happy to be on the podcast. I am up in Tallahassee this week reporting on bright futures. Um, so we've got our, our capital reporters up here doing daily breaking news, but I am here just to dig into this one topic, which I'm really excited about. Uh, it's the 20-year anniversary of bright futures. Um, the, the people who have talked to uh, around the state uh, who have been here a long time are, are shocked that the time has flown so quickly, but we thought it was a good time to examine the long-term effects of investing in such a massive merit-based scholarship program and the ways that it has shaped state uh, higher education and the landscape here. So I'm looking at uh, everything from economic impacts to the way uh, individual families now make choices about when to, where to send their children to college. We've got about 95, 96,000 students across the state every year getting some bright teacher's money. And uh, preliminary research does indicate that those students are then more likely to stay in state for college. So looking at that, and uh, I'm also looking at um, college access and affordability uh, in different demographic groups because uh, Bright Futures has sustained some criticism over the years for being a program that tends to pay for, for students who can already access college. Uh, or would be able to access college um, with less difficulty than some of their peers. So there's a it's a pretty uh, big explainer piece looking into this history, talking to legislators, state experts, researchers, academics about um, this this big big program and this huge investment the state makes every year in its top students. Sounds like it'll be an exciting story to read. I know that everybody who is even thinking about going to school in Florida. And even those who are just looking for a little extra money are, are all have their eyes on bright futures. So, it's a topic. It's a topic people get very, very passionate about, and uh, I've I've already gotten a good response from the people I've reached out to wanting to talk about it. Excellent. And and now I want to turn to your other story that ran over this weekend. It was a big one, looking at how University of South Florida has improved its graduation rates by focusing on what indicates whether a student is successful. I, I'm really interested in how you came up with this story idea and how open the university was to discussing things like this, knowing that in the story it said, we don't really want kids to know that we're prying around and and telling them that, you know, you might not be successful if you don't do well in this class. For sure. This has been a topic that has been on my radar uh, for a while now. I was sitting in a board of, a board of trustees meeting at USF a while back and uh, they were looking at graduation rates among USF's three institutions uh, in Tampa, St. Petersburg, and then Sarasota Manatee. And the rates at St. Petersburg were significantly lower, um, as were Sarasota Manatee's rates, um, significantly lower than in Tampa. And the trustees talked about how far Tampa had come, how quickly they boosted their rates, 
And so I became interested in that topic, and graduation rates is this big marker of success. They're also a huge component in performance-based funding, as you know, and schools are really, really keen on getting those figures up so they can try to get more money from the state. Um, so I knew I wanted to look at graduation rates, but I wasn't exactly sure how to do something with a fresh spin on it. And I was talking to um, one of my sources at, at USF, and he mentioned this big partnership that USF had embarked upon with Civitas Learning, which is one of the major predictive analytics companies working with universities today. So I started looking into this predictive analytics topic. Um, I, I read some other stories about schools that had begun to use this, and it quickly became clear that it's really a fascinating emerging field. Um, as I touch on in the story, there's not exactly a, a, a predominant framework of ethics around how to use this yet. For the most part, experts seem to say this is all great for students. It's great for universities. They can get their numbers up. Um, and the way it works behind the scenes is um, what was most surprising to me were some of the patterns that these schools are not able to find. Uh, so um, but let me talk a little bit about how USF has, has used this and, and where their history started with this. Uh, I mean, schools have been using big data for years and years. Um, I mean, you can consider grades and student demographics big data at universities. So they've always been collecting this kind of information. But what's really changing now is how deep the software analysis can go to look at patterns underneath those major points. They can draw connections uh, and connecting the dots uh, to reveal really interesting patterns of, as you said, who, who will succeed and, and who might not. Um, so USF, um, back in the 2000s, um, started tracking, they put out a survey to freshmen to see how, uh, if they were factors in, in the way students responded in the survey that would indicate they might need a little more help in college. Some of those factors were if a student came in and they, they seemed to think that in a huge psychology class of 300 people that they would get a lot of individual attention from the professor, and the university knew that student might have um, maybe not the clearest idea of what was in store for them at, at USF, and they would try to partner them with extra support. This so, is kind of early predictive analytics. So this is what you're trying to do then? They're trying to actually figure out how they can better help based on what the expectations are? Yeah, absolutely. So they're looking for student behaviors that indicate that a student might need a little extra support, and then they're trying to pinpoint those students helping them before they veer off track. Uh, and it's just becoming more and more powerful. And then the new software lets them see all these patterns before. Well, let's say you've got a student who comes to class every week and he, he sits in, in the middle and he pays attention and, and seems to participate and gets a decent grade. But what you can see on the data behind the scenes is that he tends to cram for exams, and you can see his engagement um, is really lackluster. How can you tell? Can uh, there's a lot of a lot of colleges use these online um, learning systems now. So Canvas is one, um, or Blackboard, and the students now, for the most part, turn in assignments online and they access their course materials online. So the program can pick up on that. And if if a student is coming in and and only clicking on all of their assignments or all of their readings in the very last minute, that might set off a flag that he's trying to cram for an exam or 
maybe he is doing all his discussion board posts at the last minute, and then the software sets off a little alarm for the school notes to look into it. Can I ask you a question about that? Because what happens if a student just simply goes ahead and does all their work the way that I remember college, which is with books? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I talked a little bit about that with the school, and what they said is, you know, sometimes alarms will be set off for students who are doing just fine, and um, an advisor will reach out or a resident assistant will reach out and say, hey, we noticed uh, or, hey, we just want to have a, a chat, see how you're doing, check in with you. And the student might say, I'm doing fine. And um, that might be that. And they might not need any further intervention. Other times, though, they'll find a student who, uh, let's say, a student's engagement has been dropping off. And um, it turns out that student has actually been having a really tough time uh, because they're stressed with an off-campus job and trying to make their rent payment. So uh, every now and then, a student might be doing fine. But... In other cases, the data can reveal things that a professor, even a really engaged professor, might miss. You said the term, we noticed, and then you backed off that term because it's my understanding from reading your story, at least, that they don't want the students to know that they're noticing something. Isn't that right? Yeah. The, what the, the way that they approach the students is very tricky, and it's one of the biggest sticking points about this emerging uh, field of predictive analytics is, okay, so you get this information, you know a student might be veering off path. How do you talk to a student who's quote-unquote at risk without terrifying them and convincing them that they're going to fail and saying that we've got this data showing that you're uh, heading in the danger zone? I mean, that's a really tough conversation to have. But the way that USF has dealt with this is they've got dedicated people to be the advocates who are then trained in motivational interviewing techniques. So they can go talk to a student, get to the root of the problem, without actually letting a student know that they were targeted by some alert system that showed them they're not doing well. I actually talked to a student. This wasn't included in the story, but I talked to a student who had no idea that behind-the-scenes mechanisms had been triggered. Um, and all he knew was that he got a call from his advisor to come check in with him, and talk about his future plans. And uh, I found that really fascinating that a lot of times the students uh, will be able to go through this whole process without ever knowing that they were marked as being a potential failure. Was that student Was that student um, upset when you told him? No, I, I, he was a little bewildered, <laughs> uh, but he was not upset. I think he felt that the university was looking out for him. And... The, the sense I got was that he didn't really care how he got to that point because what mattered was that his advisor pointed him in the right direction and, and put him on a path that he's happy with. Um, but I will say the university does not tell students this is all happening, and um, so students don't exactly get a chance to opt out. Uh, I don't know actually what opting out would look like since all of this is done through their learning system online, but... Um, some ethical uh, experts that I talked to, uh, data experts, said that that might be one of the emerging gray areas here is that students don't know their data is being used in this huge aggregate way. But the university is trying to do it in, in a positive, for positive reasons and not simply to just, like, sell them something. Right. And uh, like I said earlier, I mean, it does come back to performance metrics. So USF had started looking into this 
before the state uh, really bumped up the requirements for performance-based university funding. At the same time, the university is pretty open about the fact that, hey, if we get to a certain rate, we get more money. So everybody's happy. <laughs> I think they see it as, um, is first and foremost helping students, but there's, it's no secret that millions of dollars are on the line. So it's, uh, it, it, it works for, for all parties, I would say. Well, this is really fascinating, Claire. I'm really glad that you were able to come and talk. I know you're busy in Tallahassee doing your reporting, so I won't keep won't keep you long. But um, I hope that you'll come back and talk and talk with us some more on on the Gradebook podcast. So. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. This was really fun. That's the end of our interview. Thanks again for listening to the Gradebook podcast. You can follow our conversations and please participate on our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times. Gradebook, and also follow all of the breaking news as we update it on our blog, tampabay.com slash gradebook.